You're listening to the weekly podcast of Bethel Bible Church and Pastor Clint Wright. We're so glad you've joined us today. And as always, you can find more information about the church at our website, BethelBible.com. You can find us on Facebook and even follow us on Twitter at Bethel Bible. Let's join Sunday's service now. Well, thank you, worship team. And good morning, church. Please have a seat. My name is Mark, and I'm one of the leaders of Bethel, and I'm glad to be able to bring God's Word before us today. So if you will, find your place in Colossians chapter 1. Uh, we're going to be in beginning in verse 15, and hopefully we'll make it to verse 20 uh, this morning. As you're doing that, I want to say thank you to our pastor, Clint, for the challenge and the encouragement of that prayer last week, uh, even received in an email. And I hope you have taken that and you have used it to pray for people throughout the week and that you will continue uh, to do that uh, for one another. And so I do, I want to read this for us and we'll pray and then we'll see what God has for us. So beginning again in verse 15, it's never wrong to read the scripture again says, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. In that everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And this is the word of the Lord. Let his saints hear. Pray with me. Father, we give thanks that you have brought us here today. That no matter how this week has gone today, we need to hear your word. Today we have your presence, your word, and the Holy Spirit to enlighten our hearts and to open our eyes to what you have to say to us. We ask that you would encourage us, that you would grow us and produce in us the fruits of righteousness and that we would do it all for your glory and to the honor of the preeminent Christ. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, we all meet people from time to time and you get to know them just a little bit and then all of a sudden, the more time you spend with them, you just realize there is so much more to who they are, that from their experiences, from their background, for whatever might have happened, you spend some time with them and all of a sudden you realize, man, there's so much more to this person than I ever realized. So I want you to think about what would it have been to actually just meet Jesus? I'm not talking about what you know from Scripture. I'm talking about just you pass him in the streets of Jerusalem or wherever he might be and and you just pass him in, what would be the things that would strike us about him? You know, I think we would notice his compassion. I, I think you would notice um, his humility. I think if you ever 
uh, taught. We would be amazed at his knowledge of the scriptures. We would see him caring. And there would be a lot that we would be amazed by him. But that would only scratch the surface of who he really was. And this is what's been so fascinating and amazing to me this week is that we're hearing from Paul, and Paul meets Jesus on the road to Damascus. And somehow, Paul begins to realize the depths of who Jesus is. In fact, in these six verses today, this is what is said about these verses. That there is no comparable list in all the Bible of the characteristics of Christ and his deity. Think of the magnitude of that statement. In all of the Bible, there is not a more comparable list than what Paul is about to give us. And so this morning, our, my prayer all week has been this, that no matter what our view of Christ is, is that today through the scriptures, it would grow bigger. And so here's how I want to frame uh, the, the passage today. And I'm going to start off with our big thinkers, our smarty pants in the room, okay? This one's for you. This is what I want us to see this morning, that we affirm his preeminence, but do our lives show his prominence? Or we could say it this way. We affirm his supremacy, but do we believe in his sufficiency? Now, I need things on the bottom shelf, and so this one's for me. Do we, uh, we, we affirm or we amen his truth, but do we trust his ways? And I'm so glad Paul Belden's here this morning. I know usually each and every week we can get one amen and maybe a couple of hallelujahs. So I'm glad you're here. But I want us to think about it. It's easy to affirm these things. It's easy to amen them. It's easy to give affirmation. But that is not enough. And so this morning, we're going to look where Paul is going to take us deep below the surface of who Jesus is. And we're going to see seven unique characteristics belong only to Jesus. So here's the first one, beginning back in verse 15. It says that he is the image of the invisible God. So that's our first big truth, that he is the image of the invisible God. And so an image is means it's something that represents something. So I went back this morning and got a quarter out of the offering box. And I, I promised to put it back. Promised to put it back. But on this quarter, no, I didn't really. Uh, this quarter is a, an image of George Washington, the very first president of the U.S. It, it's an image. It's an imprint of who he is. And so it's telling us that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. But notice how it goes much deeper. In Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3, he says that about Jesus, he is the radiance of the glory of God. But notice, he is the exact imprint of his nature. In John chapter 14 verse 9, Jesus is talking to Philip and he said to him, Have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? And then he makes this claim. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. And here's why this truth is so important. That Jesus brought the invisible God into the human sphere of understanding. 
In fact, this is why people in the Old Testament were forbidden by making anything in the image of God. They were forbidden of doing that. And the reason is, is because all of them would be incomplete. We look at nature. And it can reveal the existence and the power and the wisdom of God. But there's something nature cannot do. It cannot reveal the very essence of God. But Christ can. So this is important for us today because he's telling us that without Christ, you could not know God. And then he goes on, the second point, the second truth. He says, the firstborn of all creation. This is an interesting phrase that has been uh, misunderstood. It does not mean that Christ was the one, the very first one that's ever created, as the Jehovah Witnesses will tell you. He's not saying that Jesus was the first one ever created, because all we have to do is go to John chapter 1 that tells us, in the beginning was the Word, speaking of Jesus, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he was in the beginning with God and all things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. So the first thing is showing us that Christ precedes creation. He was before that. But it goes even further. Here's another illustration about this. If you went to Psalm 89 verse 27. It's talking about uh, David's son Solomon. But if you know anything about David, you know where Solomon falls in line. But it says that I will make him, speaking of David's son, him the firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth. So this phrase firstborn can describe someone not because they were created first or were first in birth or showing us that there is something unique, that they are set apart, that they have a place of importance. So Paul wants us to know that he precedes creation and he stands in a special position with it. And the reason is shown in the next point. In verse 16 and 17, He goes on to say, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether they were thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So the importance is because Uh, We are here and we're looking at him that he precedes creation. He is the firstborn. He has a special place of importance. And then he creates all that Jesus planned it all. He created it all. And then it tells us he sustains it all. And it was all for his pleasure. And so the importance of this means that everything, all things come under Jesus' control. Think of just a few things that we're told that Jesus commands and controls. In Mark chapter 4, he's out with the disciples on the Sea of Galilee. And it says a, a storm blows in. And here you have these seasoned uh, professional fishermen. Spent their entire lives on the sea. And they become so scared, they cry to Jesus to save them. And what does the scripture tell us? That Jesus commanded the storms so even the wind 
is under his control. In Matthew chapter 8, you have the demon-possessed man. No one could do anything about him. Jesus calls to them, and these demons were even under his control. In John chapter 2, the very first recorded miracle we have at the wedding of Cana. Remember, they run out of wine, and Jesus' mother says, Go, they need your help, and he has them fill the pitchers with water. He prays, he blesses it, and they take it to the host. And what does he say about the wine? He says that it was good. And I don't know much about it, but I know what it takes for wine to be good, and it takes time. That even time is under his control. In Matthew chapter 14, the feeding of the 5,000 with five loaves of of bread and two small fish. The next chapter, he feeds 4,000 people with seven loaves and a few fish that food is even under his control. He healed diseases from leprosy and blindness and lameness and bleeding. That even all disease is under his control. In John 11, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. In four days, he lays in that grave. He even began to stink. But the grave is even under his control. In Luke chapter 7, he raises the widow's son. In 11, he says, arise. And it says, the dead man sat up. That even death is under his control. That's right. And do we see the significance and the power of that truth? For me, it means this, that there is nothing that happens in my life that is outside of his control. That everything that happens in our lives, good and bad, must first pass through his hands and his will. And it's easy for us to affirm and to amen that. So we can affirm his supremacy, but do we believe and trust in his sufficiency? Then we can aim in that truth that yes, there isn't anything that isn't under Jesus' control. There isn't anything that's under his command, but do we trust his ways in the things that happen? Well, then Paul moves to number four, focusing on the church and What we need to understand, he is talking about this unique group of believers that will gather at the end of the ages as the bride of Christ. And he tells us in verse 18 that Jesus is the head of the body, the church. So he's the head, he's the author. He says that he took his blood to do that. That the church is about him. And so here's where we can see this even today. Go to any church and put Bethel in that category. You sit in a service, you go to whatever is going on. Does that church, its pastors and teachers and worship leaders and deacons, elders and servants, who do they make the most of? Is it about them or is it about Christ? And the sad thing is too many churches are following into making it about them. But he says that Christ is the head. The next big truth that John or Paul wants us to see is this, that he is the beginning, that all things start with Christ, that he is the firstborn from 
the dead, in that everything he might be preeminent. So first of all, we need to know that he's not saying that Christ was the first one to ever die. There were millions of people that died before Jesus. In fact, it's not even saying he was the first one to die to be raised back to life. And we have Lazarus, we have the centurion servant, we have the widow's son. But all of those share something in common. Even though they were raised back to life, they eventually died again. So Paul is showing us that Jesus was the first one to be raised to a glorified, immortal body and to never experience death again. That Paul is saying he went through death into eternal life first. He's the first born from the dead. So how is this important for us? It means that the one that we worship, the one that we celebrate is alive today. And it also means that what happened for him can be true of us. That we no longer have to fear death because death is not the end. It is only the beginning. And he tells us that beginning is in Jesus. But notice that last interesting word. That in everything he might be preeminent. In fact, this is the only time in the entire New Testament that that word is used. It means supremacy over all things. It means importance over all things. And this is where we can easily affirm the truth but ignore its implications. Yes, it's easy to say, I agree, amen to that. We can affirm his preeminency, his, his supremacy, but do our lives show his prominence or the importance? So then what Paul's going to do, he's going to go back to the very beginning. The sixth big truth, he says in verse 19, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Fullness means this completeness. All that God was and is was in Christ. That all of his qualities and his activities of his spirit, his wisdom, his word, and glory were all perfectly displayed in Christ. Once again, meaning to know Christ is to know God. And you know God through Christ. And no one can know him without him. And so what Paul is doing, he is laying these six massive truths before us. That he's the image of the invisible God. He was the firstborn over all creation. The creator of the universe. The head of the church. The firstborn from the dead. And in him the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Because God knew it was going to take someone that could embody all of these to make the last one happen. All of these have to be true so that, in verse 20, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on heaven or on earth, making peace by the blood of his cross. Because you know, we all have needs in this life. I know I do. But our biggest need, it is not more time, it is not more rest, it is not more money, it is not more fulfillment, it is not even more joy. Our greatest need is peace with God. 
Without that, nothing else could ever happen or will happen. And the only one that could bring us peace with God is the one who had all six things absolutely true. And that was Christ. So here they are again. We affirm his preeminence and I hope that we do that. But do our lives, do they show his prominence or his importance? Hopefully we affirm his supremacy. But do we really believe in his sufficiency? Hopefully we can aim in his truth. But do we trust his ways? And so church, here we are at the beginning of another week. It might be a week that goes by really fast. Where everyone's healthy. Man, work goes well and you're productive. Your boss recognizes your efforts. And those you serve, man, they're appreciative. It might be a week that really goes well for those in your home. But you know what? It might be a week that goes by really slowly. It might be filled with taking care of sick children and aging parents. It might be a week filled with unrealistic Deadlines and unrelenting bosses and difficult clients that won't let up. It might be a week that you have it out with your spouse or your children or your family. It might be a week that someone or several someones let you down. But God knows it's in all of these times, the good and the difficult, that we need this kind of truth. Truth that says, yes, Christ is preeminent. He is supreme over all things. He is in control of all things. All things are come from him and are for him. So yes, church, let's affirm his preeminence, but don't stop there. But we will also live to show his prominence. Let us affirm his supremacy, but also let us believe in his sufficiency. I mean, let's be people that amen these truths but also be people that trust in his ways. Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. We hope that you were blessed and encouraged. If you have questions or comments, we want you to let us know. Simply send your thoughts to questions at BethelBible.com. Thanks for spending time with us and be sure to join us next week on the Bethel Bible Podcast.